This is section sixty two of Mark Twain, a biography. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain, a biography. Volume one, part two, eighteen sixty six to eighteen seventy five. Chapter sixty two. The return of the pilgrims. The last notebook entry bears date of October eleventh. At sea, somewhere in the neighborhood of Malta very stormy terrible death to be talked to death the storm has blown two small land birds and a hawk to sea and they came on board sea full of flying fish that is all there is no record of the week's travel in spain which a little group of four made under the picturesque gibraltar guide menunas still living and quite as picturesque at last accounts this side trip is covered in a single brief paragraph in the innocents and the only account we have of it is in a home letter from cadiz of october twenty fourth we left gibraltar at noon and rode to algeciras four hours thus dodging the quarantine took dinner and then rode horseback all night in a swinging trot and at daylight took a caleche a wheeled vehicle and rode five hours then took cars and traveled till twelve at night that landed us at seville and we were over the hard part of our trip and somewhat tired since then we have taken things comparatively easy drifting around from one town to another and attracting a good deal of attention for i guess strangers do not wander through andalusia and the other southern provinces of spain often the country is precisely what it was when don quixote and sancho panza were possible characters but i see now what the glory of spain must have been when it was under moorish domination no i will not say that but then when one is carried away infatuated entranced with the wonders of the alhambra and the supernatural beauty of the alcazar he is apt to overflow with admiration for the splendid intellects that created them we may wish that he had left us a chapter of that idyllic journey but it will never be written now a night or two before the vessel reached new york there was the usual good-bye assembly and for this occasion at mrs severance's request mark twain wrote some verses they were not especially notable for meter and rhyme did not come easy to him but one prophetic stanza is worth remembering in the opening lines the passengers are referred to as a fleet of vessels then follows lo other ships of that parted fleet shall suffer this fate or that one shall be wrecked another shall sink or ground on treacherous flat 
some shall be famed in many lands as good ships fast and fair and some shall strangely disappear men know not when or where the quaker city returned to america on november nineteenth eighteen sixty seven and mark twain found himself if not famous at least in very wide repute the fifty-three letters to the alta and the half-dozen to the new york tribune had carried his celebrity into every corner of the states and territories vivid fearless full of fresh color humor poetry they came as a revelation to a public weary of the driveling tiresome travel letters of that period they preached a new gospel in travel literature the gospel of seeing with an overflowing honesty a gospel of sincerity in according praises to whatever seemed genuine and ridicule to the things considered sham it was the gospel that mark twain would continue to preach during his whole career it became his chief literary message to the world a world waiting for that message moreover the letters were literature he had received from whatever source a large and very positive literary impulse a loftier conception and expression it was at tangier that he first struck the grander chord the throbbing cadence of human story here is a crumbling wall that was old when columbus discovered america old when peter the hermit roused the knightly men of the middle ages to arm for the first crusade old when charlemagne and his paladins beleaguered enchanted castles and battled with giants and genii in the fabled days of the olden time old when christ and his disciples walked the earth stood where it stands to-day when the lips of memnon were vocal and men bought and sold in the streets of ancient thebes this is pure poetry he had never touched so high a strain before but he reached it often after that and always with an ever-increasing mastery and confidence in venice in rome in athens through the holy land his retrospection becomes a stately epic symphony a processional crescendo that swings ever higher until it reaches that sublime strain the ageless contemplation of the sphinx we cannot forego a paragraph or two of that word picture after years of waiting it was before me at last the great face was so sad so earnest so longing so patient there was a dignity not of earth in its mien and in its countenance a benignity such as never anything human wore it was stone but it seemed sentient if ever image of stone thought it was thinking it was looking toward the verge of the landscape yet looking at nothing nothing but distance and vacancy 
it was looking over and beyond everything of the present and far into the past it was thinking of the wars of the departed ages of the empires it had seen created and destroyed of the nations whose birth it had witnessed whose progress it had watched whose annihilation it had noted of the joy and sorrow the life and death the grandeur and decay of five thousand slow revolving years the sphinx is grand in its loneliness it is imposing in its magnitude it is impressive in the mystery that hangs over its story and there is that in the overshadowing majesty of this eternal figure of stone with its accusing memory of the deeds of all ages which reveals to one something of what we shall feel when we shall stand at last in the awful presence of god then that closing word of egypt he elaborated it for the book and did not improve it let us preserve here its original form we are glad to have seen egypt we are glad to have seen that old land which taught greece her letters and through greece rome and through rome the world that venerable cradle of culture and refinement which could have humanized and civilized the children of israel but allowed them to depart out of her borders savages those children whom we still revere still love and whose sad shortcomings we still excuse not because they were savages but because they were the chosen savages of god the holy land letters alone would have brought him fame they presented the most graphic and sympathetic picture of syrian travel ever written one that will never become antiquated or obsolete so long as human nature remains unchanged from beginning to end the tale is rarely reverently told its closing paragraph has not been surpassed in the voluminous literature of that solemn land palestine sits in sackcloth and ashes over it broods the spell of a curse that has withered its fields and fettered its energies where sodom and gomorrah reared their domes and towers that solemn sea now floods the plain in whose bitter waters no living thing exists over whose waveless surface 
the blistering air hangs motionless and dead about whose borders nothing grows but weeds and scattering tufts of cane and that treacherous fruit that promises refreshment to parching lips but turns to ashes at the touch nazareth is forlorn about that ford of jordan where the hosts of israel entered the promised land with songs of rejoicing one finds only a squalid camp of fantastic bedouins of the desert jericho the accursed lies a mouldering ruin to-day even as joshua's miracle left it more than three thousand years ago bethlehem and bethany in their poverty and their humiliation have nothing about them now to remind one that they once knew the high honor of the saviour's presence the hallowed spot where the shepherds watched their flocks by night and where the angels sang peace on earth good will to men is untenanted by any living creature and unblessed by any feature that is pleasant to the eye renowned jerusalem itself the stateliest name in history has lost all its ancient grandeur and is become a pauper village the riches of solomon are no longer there to compel the admiration of visiting oriental queens the wonderful temple which was the pride and the glory of israel is gone and the ottoman crescent is lifted above the spot where on that most memorable day in the annals of the world they reared the holy cross the noted sea of galilee where roman fleets once rode at anchor and the disciples of the saviour sailed in their ships was long ago deserted by the devotees of war and commerce and its borders are a silent wilderness capernaum is a shapeless ruin magdala is the home of beggared arabs bethsaida and charazin have vanished from the earth and the desert places round about them where thousands of men once listened to the saviour's voice and ate the miraculous bread sleep in the hush of a, a solitude that is inhabited only by birds of prey and skulking foxes palestine is desolate and unlovely and why should it be otherwise can the curse of the deity beautify a land it would be easy to quote pages here a pictorial sequence from gibraltar to athens from athens to egypt 
a radiant panoramic march in time he would write technically better he would avoid solecism he would become a greater master of vocabulary and phrase but in all the years ahead he would never match the lambent bloom and spontaneity of those fresh first impressions of mediterranean lands and seas no need to mention the humor the burlesque the fearless unrestrained ridicule of old masters and of sacred relics so called these we have kept familiar with much repetition only the humor had grown more subtle more restrained the burlesque had become impersonal and harmless the ridicule so frank and good-natured that even the old masters themselves might have enjoyed it while the most devoted churchman unless blinded by bigotry would find in it satisfaction rather than sacrilege the final letter was written for the new york herald after the arrival and was altogether unlike those that preceded it daily satirical and personal inclusively so it might better have been left unwritten for it would seem to have given needless offense to a number of goodly people whose chief sin was the sedateness of years however it is all past now and those who were old then and perhaps queer and pious and stingy do not mind any more and those who were young and frivolous have all grown old too and most of them have set out on the still farther voyage somewhere it may be they gather now and then and lightly tenderly recall their old-time journeying end of chapter sixty two the return of the pilgrims read by john greenman